Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. <laughs> So I have this mystery in my life about this little girl in white. She pops up randomly throughout my life, and it's never fun, although no harm ever came to me. When I was in elementary, I remember staying up many nights, staring at this window through my open door in the hallway. It was weird because this shadow would change from this little girl with a dress and one of those veils that a bride might wear to cover her face, into what looked like a taller man wearing a hat. It was like she was following me anywhere I went, because when I saw the shadows, it was always at my home, but the first time I got a real glimpse of her, it was at my grandparents' house. Once again, I was younger, and in elementary school. My grandparents had just picked me up from school and I was playing at their house. I was in the guest room, playing my PlayStation, when I saw, through the glare of the TV, their dog Cinnamon, just jumping around, trying to bite something. I brushed it off, but did a double take, and actually stared until I saw a little girl jumping around, holding her dress in both hands, trying to get away from the dog, as it kept snipping at her. It made my heart stop. I ran out of the room and stayed with my grandparents. I didn't tell them anything because they're not very superstitious, but neither was I until I had proof right in my face. The next encounter was debatable. I debate myself on this all the time because it was just a dream, but it felt real. I was at my grandparents' house in the living room, and I saw the little girl standing in the middle of the room. I got up from the sofa and started walking towards her, but for some reason, I wasn't scared. As I got closer, I could see her face better. It was wrinkly, and for some reason, I still wasn't scared. She was just staring at me. She didn't say a word, but then lifted her right hand. She was holding a leaf. It was very bright and had a golden, starry atmosphere around it. Normally, this stuff would really freak me out, but in the dream, I actually reached for the leaf that she was handing me, and once I touched it, I woke up. The last thing that ties this whole story together with the little girl is that my mom had dealt with her as well. But the weirdest thing is that I never met my mom until I was 16 or 17 years old. I knew nothing about her. When we finally met one day, 
we got into the discussion of the supernatural. I never told my stories about the little girl, but she told me a story of seeing and describing the same little girl that I had been seeing my entire childhood. Her story, in short, was that when she was younger, in elementary school, she was with her parents looking at new apartments, and while her parents were busy, she wandered off and started playing with some little girl in another vacant apartment. She said they were playing hide-and-seek and tag, but her parents got pissed at her for running off. She told them that she was playing with this little girl in the apartment, so they looked in the apartment, but there wasn't anyone there. I don't know. I, I was really skeptical about being paranoid and crazy until my mom confirmed what I had been seeing. My ex-uncle is now dying, and I feel safe to tell my paranormal life experience with that now happening. Due to the circumstances, I can't talk about it much. This story does entail details of a possible crime, but that does not mean much other than our beliefs due to our experiences. No, we have never talked to the police about it, and we have no grounds to do so anyways. My Aunt Jane married Jason back in 1997. Jane and Jason bought a house in 1999 and had two kids together. Jason was not the nicest man. He was a drug addict and very abusive. As a teenager, I stayed with my aunt almost full time to help her with the kids, so that's why I can tell the story. I was there for 99% of this timeline. Jason was in the medical field and he traveled a lot for work. Due to their bad marriage, Jason was not the guy to call home or care about home when he was away on trips. They never talked at all. You can understand my aunt's surprise when Jason called her while he was away on business. He proceeds to tell her, in complete excitement and seemingly filled with adrenaline, Jane, I, I just had to call and tell you about this movie I watched. Jane, already confused by him calling, just said, Oh, okay. He goes on to tell her, This movie was about a guy who decided to follow a satanic cult, watch them do a ritual for human sacrifice, and then they let him sacrifice this woman. He drowned her in a river. It was the craziest movie. Jane was so confused. Why the hell is he calling to tell her about a movie? She just went with it to the end of the conversation. Something about the movie story gave her a really bad feeling. This call was the start of our horror. Things began to get weird in the home. It started when Jane's son, Kyle, who was a very special boy. He's on the spectrum and couldn't talk until he was around three or four years old. He began to have conversations in his own language with the walls. He would laugh, giggle, and babble for hours. At first... We thought it was cute and said he was talking to angels. Over time, however, that changed. One day he was doing his usual talking in the basement playroom. This room is where it began and usually stayed. Jane and I went up to make sandwiches for lunch. 
As we were making the sandwiches, we all of a sudden heard Kyle let out a horrific scream. We flew to the basement stairs and saw Kyle running up the stairs with this look of absolute fear and terror on his face. Then he said, as clear as day, Monster! It gave us both chills. He was so terrified, and that was the clearest he has ever spoken. After that, the basement playroom changed. It became more of a terror room. It all started with spider webs that showed up one day. We went in to clean up a bit and found some webs lining in the corners of the walls. They were so thick you couldn't even see the walls. We were dumbfounded as to how they showed up so quickly and in such quantity. We cleaned them off with a vacuum. One week later, they came back, so again, we cleaned them. Another week later, they returned. We cleaned it again, and they never came back after the third time. Then the water pipes started breaking. One day we discovered a leak in the room, so we called in professionals. They ended up taking down the walls and became baffled when they discovered that the leak was only in the corners of the room. They couldn't explain it. They fixed the leaks, drywalled it, and painted. Three months later, the leaks kept happening, and still only in the corners of the room. It ended up getting repaired two additional times. The pipes never broke again after the third repair. One night, we had family staying over, so, due to space, I had to make a bed in the basement playroom. I was trying to sleep when, all of a sudden, I felt extremely fearful. My rational mind was trying to figure out why I was suddenly so scared. I was too terrified to move. I couldn't understand it. I finally calmed myself down and shifted my leg. When I moved my leg, I heard a loud stomping sound run towards me in the dark. And I mean loud. I was terrified. Once the stomping reached me, it got quiet. It took all of my strength to let out a scream. The fear was immense. After screaming for a few minutes, Jane finally ran down the stairs and turned the light on. No one was in the basement. Over the years, we had constant experiences. During many nights around 3 a.m., if you were awake, you would hear a woman's blood-curdling screaming go throughout the whole house. It would sound like it came from every direction. On one occasion, in the middle of the night, we heard what sounded like a woman drowning or choking in the basement. We ran downstairs to see what was happening, and no one was there. We went back upstairs and heard it two more times. It sounded like a woman was drowning. It was terrifying. Each time we went downstairs, no one was there, and there were no sounds. We didn't hear it after the third time. This stuff went on for years. One night, Jane and I were talking about how horrible things were getting in the house. We began to talk about why. Why is this woman here and tormenting us? It seemed to start after Jason's business trip. We talked about his weird call and the movie he watched. We kind of came to the conclusion that this was no movie. Jason was framing this experience he had as a movie so he could tell someone, anyone. We came to the conclusion that he actually drowned a woman in the river. 
all of the water issues that made no sense, all of the three patterns, she followed him and was haunting us. Not that this is actually what happened, but it seems to fit together. At this point, I was 17. I wanted to understand more. So I had a brilliant idea after watching paranormal shows to bring over a tape recorder. Jason was out of town again, so it was a perfect time to experiment with it. We put the tape recorder in the basement playroom at around midnight, and we decided to leave it recording for the whole night, just to see what we get. I woke up at 7am the next day, went to the basement, and got the recorder. I looked at it and it was no longer on. It said, battery low. I figured that it died during the recording and shut itself off. I was excited to see that it still had three hours of recorded audio on it. We sat down and started to play the recorder. We heard water running throughout the whole recording. It was like I left it in a bathroom with running water, yet there was no bathroom or sink in the basement. We heard voices, toys going off by themselves, and random footsteps. It was pretty creepy, to say the least. So, at about an hour and 30 minutes into it, I decided to just fast forward to the end and see if it was really the battery dying that shut off the recorder. I fast forwarded to the last five minutes. You hear the water sound, then all of a sudden we hear what sounds like fingers moving across the recorder. Then it sounds like someone picks it up. Then the most terrifying, demonic scream went through the recorder. It was so loud it pierced our ears. As we listened to this, it felt like I just stopped breathing. I was in total shock at what I was hearing. Then, after 30 seconds of the scream, it stopped. The fingers started to move across the recorder again. And then, as clear as day, a woman's voice says into the recorder, Why? Then you hear someone push the stop button. Jane finally left Jason and he is now dying from an illness. I still have occasional paranormal experiences, and so does Jane. I hope when Jason finally leaves this world, the drowned woman goes with him. Back in 2016, I was living in a one-bedroom apartment in a town located in a Midwestern state. At the time, I was 28 years old and would visit the Twin Cities at least once a year. A very close friend of mine, Tim, used to regularly visit me at my one-bedroom apartment and we would talk about life and what we were learning in church. I used my living room as a space for small group Bible studies, which I led at least once a week. One evening, as I was brewing some tea and getting ready to start some homework, I received a call from Tim. He had decided to move back to his hometown. Tim's move was the major reason why I started taking two one-week vacations from work every year. All was well during my first visit. We were driving around listening to music, getting late-night dinners, just like we used to do when he lived in my hometown. My second visit, well, was not as pleasant. 
before my second visit, I decided to stay with another friend of mine. While she was working at a nearby gas station, I would take one of the buses in Minneapolis to the Mall of America or around the area to explore. I spent a lot of time reconnecting with other friends who had decided to move to Minneapolis. Naturally, one of those friends was Tim. When he picked me up from my friend's apartment on a Thursday morning, I could sense something was wrong. He used to be rather muscular, and he ate very well. But when I looked at his face, I was taken aback. His face was white, and he looked frail and weak. I didn't think much of what was going on. We had decided to check out some obscure Mexican restaurant and ordered lunch. He picked at his food while I enjoyed my beef enchiladas and listened to him as he shared about his life. He mentioned that he no longer lived with his family, but had decided to take residency at a missionary's house. After lunch, I started to get a little upset. He barely ate. I was genuinely concerned. I'm not the kind of person to discuss deep personal issues in public, but I confronted him about my concerns. He smiled and said that he was eating, but had to be very careful with the food that he ate, as well as the amount of food he ate. Again, I didn't think too much of it. I was also doing the same thing. I figured he was on some diet and wanted to reduce body fat, but it didn't explain why he was losing his strength. I convinced him to pull up to a grocery store. I bought him some protein bars, some of his favorite snacks, and some multivitamins. After the excursion in the store, he asked if I wanted to check out the house that he lived in. He explained to me that his landlords were a missionary and his wife, and that he lived with four other guys. I wanted to check it out, so I said, yes, let's go. We pulled up to the house. It was a beautiful old Victorian, with what looked like three floors. It was located near a river and a small forest. It wasn't really out of the way of Minneapolis. I could see the downtown area from the bridge. However, the beautiful exterior of the house did not fit with the interior of the house. When we walked in, I could feel something in the air. Something wasn't right. I couldn't place my finger on what was wrong, but I sat down at this old wooden table that stretched the majority of the dining room while Tim put his food in the bedroom. I thought, this is rather odd. I figured he would store the food in the kitchen, maybe in the cupboards. As I am taking in the interior of the dining room and the kitchen area, someone from upstairs came down and walked towards the kitchen. This guy was about six feet tall, had no muscle, also looked very skinny and pale, much like Tim. Tim said that this was Greg, and he was one of the guys that lived with him. Greg didn't smile. He took a seat at the table with me, though. He didn't say much, and as I asked him just some general questions, he answered me with one-word responses. He looked over at Tim and said, I'm getting hungry. He proceeded to the kitchen to heat up soup. I was getting more and more creeped out by the minute, but since I didn't drive, 
I felt stuck at this house. Greg brought his bowl into the dining room and started eating his soup. It smelled and looked like pea and ham soup, which personally I find disgusting. He took about four small bites and said something that really amped up my there's something weird going on feeling that I was experiencing already. Greg said something along the lines of how he just now ate too much soup. I kind of laughed, and Greg and Tim scolded me. Greg and Tim went upstairs to the second floor of the house. Tim said that they were coming back downstairs and there was no need to come up. In fact, he told me to stay away from the upstairs area. Guests were not allowed. It was just me downstairs alone, sitting at the table. As I was waiting, I heard somebody come into the house. This burly man and this really skinny woman. They entered into the dining room. The man identified himself as Mark, the missionary landlord. He seemed really nice and friendly, and so did his wife, Lucy. She briefly smiled and said how nice it was for Tim to bring friends over and asked me why I had never come over before. I told them I was visiting because I was on vacation. I asked her how she knew that I was Tim's friend. She smiled, then just looked at her husband. I think it's time that we go upstairs and talk with the guys, don't you? Mark said to his wife. Yes, we really need to. Lucy said grimly. Once again, I'm alone at the table for several minutes. Another guy walks into the dining room. He had on an army outfit, but what struck me was that this guy was also very skinny and pale. I couldn't shake that all of these men who lived here, minus the landlord, had the same body type and skin tone. I asked him about his time in the army. He said, I'm not allowed to talk about that here. I need to go upstairs. I fully intended on running out of that house because things were just getting too creepy. However, my body froze. I started panicking. I was now freaking out. I knew I needed to go, but I couldn't get my feet to move. Just as I was able to start moving... Everyone upstairs started coming downstairs. We know you're a sinner, and you need to repent, Mark said forcefully. The army guy and Greg shoved me down on the table. I could not explain how they felt so strong, but looked so frail and weak. As they were doing this, Mark was saying, You have demons attached to you. I can't allow your demons to influence these young children. You have to pay. As this was going on, Tim was standing in the corner, speaking in some language that I had never heard before. As they were forcing me down, I cut my hand on their table. I screamed at the army guy, get me a band-aid, can't you see I'm gushing blood? Mark shoved the army guy out of the way. Don't you get it? Your blood must leave, for this is a sign that the demons are fleeing. We need more blood. I don't know what kicked in, but I was able to flee from that house. I had come back home after several days in the Twin Cities. 
There were still other things that I wanted to do there, and I was not about to let this horrific incident screw up my visit. I made plans to hang out with a few other buddies of mine, and I really wanted to check out some other places in Minneapolis. I finally came home on a Saturday. I was pretty exhausted from the trip back home. I took a long nap and woke up so that I could unpack and get some things done around the apartment. After about an hour, I decided to go outside and have a smoke. It was about midnight when I stepped outside. As I was finishing my cigarette, I heard someone just a few feet from me. I saw what looked like a burly man standing on my sidewalk, staring at me. It looked just like Mark. I threw the cigarette down and busted into my apartment, locking the door. I turned off all of the lights and remained silent. Nobody knocked. Nothing happened. After that, I had other strange things happen. My Bible would go missing, along with other college textbooks. I would find crosses hanging upside down in the apartment. I finally got the courage to call up my pastor and had him do a cleanse of the apartment after I had noticed three long cuts on both my arms. That was the last straw. After that cleanse, nothing strange ever happened. About a month later, I received a call from an unknown number. I never answer my phone when I see unknown numbers, so I let it go to voicemail. The message told me what I already knew and even more than I imagined. Tim had actually joined a cult, and the leader participated in the dark arts. They had some of my blood and offered it to a demon after I bolted out. That explained why they did not go chasing after me. They had what they needed. How this person got this information remains a mystery to me, but I was grateful that I had my questions answered. I knew there was another person that lived there. Maybe it was him that ratted out the cult. I haven't talked to Tim since, and I hope to never run into him or the cult ever again. A bit of backstory. This happened when I was 10. I'm currently 33. I'm an only child. When I was 9, my parents got divorced. I wasn't affected by this as I understood why it was happening. A year later, my mom had a significant other and they would go out to eat on Wednesday nights. After school, I would come home and be by myself for a few hours. Also, just to add, I was a very mature kid. I was very creative and imaginative, but I definitely knew the difference between reality and pretend. I had come home after school and some time passed. It was getting later into the night and the sun was setting. I remember standing in my mother's bedroom looking out of her window, wondering where she was. I had totally forgot that it was a Wednesday night and she was going to be late due to going to get dinner. This window that I was looking out of is right above the garage and driveway. My house has a big security light on the front porch, which eliminates my whole front yard, the street, and the neighbor's house across from mine. I was looking out that window, and I see something in the neighbor's big picture window across the street. 
I remember squinting my eyes and letting them adjust against the big security light, thinking someone was looking out of the window at me from across the way. As my vision gets clearer, I realized that what I was seeing was about seven feet tall with a black cloak on, with huge black almond-shaped eyes, and then it dawns on me that I'm looking at a window and it's really a reflection, and that the being was right smack dab under the window that I was looking out of. At that moment, everything slowed down. I went to turn and run, and immediately it was like I was frozen in a running motion. I remember my mouth was open because I tried to scream, and my whole body felt like when your foot goes to sleep. I do know that I was still able to think when this was happening because my internal voice was still screaming. Then I got a thought projected into my head from this being, something to the effect that everything was going to be okay. I remember everything got quiet in my head and then everything went black. This is the part that I'll never fully be able to comprehend. I woke up and I was face to face with this being. I was floating right in front of it, in a warm beam of light, right in my driveway. I know this because I could still see my garage door behind the being. I do not know if my whole physical body was floating out there, or if there was some way to extract your spirit or soul. It reminded me of a first-person video game where you can't see the rest of your body from your perspective. I remember at this point I was not scared for whatever reason. As I was looking at the being, it still had the black cloak on, with absolutely huge, brilliant black almond eyes. I do not even remember seeing a mouth. The skin was a pastel green with a soft glow emanating from it. Movement from the right side of my peripheral vision broke my gaze from the being's face. I noticed that it raised its left arm, and my vision was focused on its arm, which was long and skinny and only had three really long fingers that looked like human fingers, but more bulbous towards the top. Adding more about the being's skin, the only way I could really describe it is Think of like one of those toy bouncy balls that have liquid inside of them with all the extremely fine silver and glitter floating around. That is exactly what it looked like. It was mesmerizing. I then woke up standing in my living room, sort of hunched over, and at that point it was way past sunset. I didn't know how much time was missing exactly, but I freaked out and immediately called my grandpa, who lived about a block away, and told him, there had been something standing in my driveway, and I was so scared. I never did tell him what I saw until later on in life. The whole event was burned into my brain. This experience occurred when I was about 15 or 16. I was with a friend of about the same age and his dad who lived in our neighborhood. We were in the woods behind our houses. We went into these woods many times to hike around and play paintball. However, on this day, we decided to go a little deeper into the woods just to check it out. This is an old forest that's protected wetlands. 
It's just a few square miles of land and surrounded by roads on all four sides located in the northeast U.S. We were wandering along. It was mid to late spring, so the forest was pretty lush and green, when one of us saw a small patch of white coming through the woods. It stood out pretty easily in contrast to the green leaves, so we decided to investigate. The three of us headed off in the direction towards this mysterious white spot coming through the leaves. If you've ever walked through dense woods, you'll know it's difficult to walk in a straight line because of fallen logs and brush. Anyway, we keep walking towards this object for what seems like quite a while. I've racked my brain, but really can't recall how long. However, this white object still had not come into focus. It still looks like a white blot, and it's just as far away as when we first spotted it. We really didn't think anything of it at this point, or at least I didn't, and we continued walking in the direction of this thing. It must have happened two or three times where we would walk towards this thing for a few minutes, stop, then notice that we still weren't getting any closer. At this point, I think there was a little tension building, but nothing too out of the ordinary yet. At some point, though, as we were getting closer, we noticed the object is starting to fill out. We can clearly see that it's a tiny white house on a hill. I'd say the structure was about the size of a shed that you might keep your lawnmower in. We were excited because how often do you come across something like that? It's still a little ways out, but again, it's very obvious that this is a white house. We had seen it, and we had been walking towards it. So as we continue towards this little house, we lose it from our sight momentarily. We go up and over a hill in front of it. But as soon as we get to the top of this hill, the small white house is gone. We're confused as hell, looking at each other, but we keep walking to the hill that we had previously seen this house on. Now this last part happened pretty quickly. We get to the top of the hill, still looking at all the other hills close by to see if maybe we just got turned around or something. Maybe we'd see the little house then. However, one of us noticed an old foundation in the ground at the top of this hill, exactly where the house had been. The shape of the foundation was exactly the size of this mysterious vanishing white house. I barely had time to notice the foundation when all three of us heard a growling-like sound. It got louder until it was as loud as a chainsaw. Nothing was said. However, the three of us sprinted out of that woods in the direction which we came. I don't recall ever discussing what happened to the other two that I was with that day. Since this has happened, I tried looking on Google Maps for some kind of indication that the house was there, and maybe we lost it but the forest top is too thick. About a year and a half ago, I told my brother what had happened, and we went back to those woods looking for the house or foundation, 
but we didn't find anything, though our search wasn't very thorough because it was winter and the snow had covered the ground. I was in my room getting ready for the week, and my closet light flickered. I didn't think anything of it, as I live in some pretty crappy army barracks. As I continued hanging up laundry and cleaning up around my room, all my lights went out. It kind of spooked me, but when I went to turn them back on, they all worked fine. However, just after I turned on my main light, it felt like someone grabbed my shoulder and pulled me back. I really started to freak out. I felt sick and lightheaded, so I drank some water and sat in my chair to really think about all what the hell just happened. I kept feeling sick for a good 30 minutes, so I decided to lay down. After laying down for a bit, the whiteboard hanging on my wall somehow unhooked itself and fell to the ground. I immediately got up and put on shoes and a sweatshirt to just leave. I misplaced my keys and I started to panic as I felt a burning pain in my abdomen. I completely ignored it and just focused on getting out of there. I eventually found my keys and I started to head back to my car when that burning pain came back. I almost had to stop because the burning got so bad, but I kept moving. I got into my car and lifted up my sweatshirt to see what it was. I now have three scratch marks where I felt the burning. My heart dropped when I saw them, and I felt like crying. I have no idea what to do. I'm not sure who I can talk to about this. I don't know much at all about this stuff. I never really believed in ghosts, but I also never really denied their existence. I'm not a religious person at all, and I never thought this sort of thing actually ever happened. I'm terrified. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Odd Trails. This week you have heard The Little Girl in White by Fox Dio Peter. My family has been haunted by the woman we believe my aunt's ex-husband murdered by an author who wishes to remain anonymous. The Time I Nearly Became a Cult Sacrifice by D.L. Davis. Not a Day Goes By Where I Don't Think About It by Face Milkshakes. The Disappearing House in the Woods by Shepard, 77. And finally, I Got Attacked by Something in My Barracks Room by X Method. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Odd Trails is not associated with any other message boards online. And if you have any stories of your own to submit, go ahead and send them to stories at oddtrails.com. You can also find us on social media. Links to those will be in the show notes. Well, it's finally here, and it's about time. Uh, Yeah, about that. I wish I could have made it out here to record sooner, but nonetheless, I am here. Um, It's almost like we should apologize, but at the same time, you know... I feel like we've been apologizing all year, (laughs) all year, just stressing about getting this podcast out. Uh, Yeah, like, I was away for work 
unexpectedly, but whatever. I'm here. I'm back. Yeah, I'm super excited. I, I think we did really good. I think so too. I, I liked I liked all of the stories this week, and uh, we it's it. But this podcast, we're going to have so many different types of stories. It's not always going to be horror. There's going right. to be stories about aliens. There's going to be weird glitch in the matrix stories. Yeah, haunted like house that. type shit. Like we got everything. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, man, I think that donut that I ate was haunted. Oh, yeah, like the Simpsons donut? That, yeah, uh, like yeah. Flanders Curses? The cursed yep. donut. Yep. Uh, it's so weird that we eat donuts for breakfast. That That's just an accepted thing that we do. Yeah. yeah. It's just sugary fried bread for Oh, breakfast. it's this glorified cereal, different yeah. form. Just carb, extra carby sugar cereal. Mm, yeah. Not a fan. I mean, I am, but... I did get donuts like once a year, and I always regret always it. Always regret it. It's like getting Burger King. It's like, why did I do that to myself? <laughs> I'm, I'm a better human than this. I'm much better than this. I'm much better than this. I feel like the coffee's supposed to make it better, but then the coffee just adds this layer of acidity, and mm. I'm just sick all day long just Gets because I had a up. donut. Anyways, I hope you all enjoyed this week's first pilot episode of Odd Trails. And I feel obligated to say I hope you did too. <laughs> I definitely enjoyed recording. Yeah, uh, for sure. We'll see you all next week for a brand new episode of Odd Trails. Thanks for tuning in. Stay safe.